Welcome to Torah Talk, a program that challenges 2,000 years of misunderstanding and neglect of the Torah, God's law. In this show, we will be threshing ideologies by examining these scriptures in their Hebraic contexts. Our goal is to separate the wheat from the chaff, the truth from misconception. This program is sponsored by The Harvest, a Messianic Charismatic Congregation in Thornton, Colorado. Shalom, lovers of the Torah, and thank you for choosing to listen to Torah Talk. We have a great podcast for you today. We'll have a midrash on what we call the Matthew 18 principle. This principle is the basis for what is commonly known as congregational discipline. It is often misunderstood, misapplied, or misrepresented by congregations and leaders who may be pure in heart but haven't spent much time in researching the context in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20, nor the antecedent theology found in the Torah. In this podcast, we will give an overview of some of the fundamental aspects of disciplining a believer who is causing problems within the Messianic community. Before we get started, I'd like to welcome in the studio today my co-host, Elder Randy Craig. How are you, and what do you think of the topic today? I'm fine, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, The topic today is um, a great topic to Midrash on based on a very substantial portion uh, of um, the Tanakh or the Torah uh, with uh, Shoftim, which provides a foundation for our conversation today. And uh, and way beyond that, I think, even provided the foundation for much of our culture and and our current government. Uh, Matthew 18 is considered the uh, third full sermon of uh, Yeshua and Matthew, the third out of five sermons, and it's touching this important area. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It yes. uh, should be very interesting. That's great. And Randy, you you teach Torah. You've been teaching Torah for, for years, and you're currently teaching Torah for us in our community. And so we talked a little bit about this coming into the show, and we thought, what an amazing passage. Uh, Shoftina, it's a beautiful uh, Torah portion, and it's so relevant. It's just amazing how we can read a document that uh, goes back just thousands of years, literally, um, and yet it's so relevant today. It's amazing, and, and that's exciting. Absolutely. One of the things that uh, we've talked about is the fact that the Torah was actually given to community, and there's an important dynamic on an individual basis. But what uh, God did when he uh, gave instructions in Shoftim was he gave a balance of power and description of how to carry out his commands yes. and this area in a that, community in a community yeah. how his his uh, believing or faith community was to live in the midst of the world and uh, we're going to touch on one of those areas out of that parish out today yeah that's great that's great so i uh, just want to tell the audience to keep in mind that this is a midrash and is not to be construed as a doctrinal statement or a theological treatise on the subject. We're simply wrestling with the passages to better inform you as well as ourselves. So we reserve the right to change our mind on our ideas as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Messiah. Uh, so again, I think part of the uniqueness of this show is um, it's, it's, it's really a, a messianic Judaic approach and interpretation and application of the Torah. And so, you know, uh, a lot of our audience is not Messianic. Um, They come from more of a traditional background or maybe even a Reformed background. 
Uh, but a lot of people listen in on this show, both Christians and Jewish people, to, to see what, what is this Messianic Judaism all about and how, how do Messianic believers interpret the Torah, the writings of Moses. So it's a great show. I, I just love it. It has, it has a unique perspective in many ways, and I think it's refreshing. And, and so, yeah, so we'll, we'll run with that, and hopefully you'll enjoy the show. Okay, so Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. I just want to read it through, and then we'll, we'll begin to work our way down through this show. Um, it says this. Now, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault while you are alone with him or while you're with him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen, take with you one or two more so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may stand. But if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to Messiah's community. And if he refuses to listen even to Messiah's community, let him be to you as a pagan and a tax collector. Amen. I tell you, where whatever you forbid on earth will have been forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will have been permitted in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst." Now, now that's our passage. That's the church passage we're going to work from. And uh, in this show, we're going to tie it into the antecedent principles found in the Torah portion for last week, Shoftim. And we'll show how this whole thing resonates and builds and is refined as it's applied by Messiah for his communities. Uh, but as we jump into this passage, and I just want to say it's probably going to be two or three shows that will work on this uh, passage, but just just stepping into it, uh, in, in the hearing of my ears, and I'm sure in yours as well, when I read this part uh, in verse 19, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they may ask, it may be, it shall be done for them by my father in heaven for where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in their midst. And I have heard that passage over and over and over for decades. And almost every time without exception, uh, it's always cast in the idea or the concept of when two believers come together and pray, God, God hears them. And he answers their requests. Is that true for you too, primarily? Yes, and I think this context um, sheds light on on the fact it doesn't take away from the power of prayer, but it sheds light on the context of that verse. And the context of that verse is actually not prayer. It is. It has to do with judicial legislative decisions. And uh, so it's an interesting and different take than we're used to describing this, this text. That's right. That's right. And I'll tell you, you know, uh, yeah, you can extrapolate from that passage, something about prayer for sure, for sure. But if you're going to exegete the passage, once it's seen in in its own context and the Jewish backdrop and the antecedent theology of Moses, oh, it's just something that that's really entirely different. And it is just awesome in every way. And I never saw this. I never saw this for many, many years. And, and so coming back to the roots of our faith and, and looking at the uh, cultural and theological backdrop of Yeshua and the disciples and first century, uh, the first century Judaisms, it, it just opens up. And it is really awesome in every way. So, Okay, so let's jump back up and we'll begin in uh, verse 15. And we'll just work down through this passage. 
So Matthew 18, one through or 15, starting in verse 15. Now, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault while you're with him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. You pointed out at the beginning of the show, the Torah wasn't given to an individual. It was given to a community of faith, to those whom God redeemed out of Egypt. And so he gave them his Torah that they could live together in community and uh, learn to, to do things his way uh, in order to bring blessing and to spread blessing throughout the community. And so this is actually one of those passages that Yeshua is dealing with that relates to the communities that he's establishing. And he's saying to those that are in, uh, you know, that have embraced him as the Messiah and are a part of a community uh, called by his name. He's saying if within that community you have a brother who sins against you, you're to go to him in private, alone, and show him his fault. And if he listens to you, you have won your brother. Um, Randy, so when you think of this, are we doing a good job? Do we typically do this? Or what's the typical way sin is kind of addressed in a community? Well, it's uh, normally it's cut, cutting and running. Uh, cutting and running. Once, uh, once you've been offended, you uh, pack up and uh, go somewhere else where you won't be offended, and eventually that repeats itself. Yes, and so it just goes on and on. Yeah, about you've you've done uh, you've pointed this out frequently in our congregational meetings that just about the only way to avoid offense is to uh, live on a mountain by yourself. I mean, you literally cannot be in a community without some offense happening sometime. In fact, if you want to break this down further, you can you couldn't be married without uh, because marriage brings offense. You couldn't have kids because kids bring offense. I mean, you just yes. literally. Are, are, will be unable to establish community at any level. Yeah. And this this shows the mercy and compassion of Yeshua in realizing our fallenness and our brokenness and making provision for us uh, as imperfect people of faith to live together in harmony. Yes, that's right. Um, we all have examples of people who have sinned against us, you know, our brother or sister who is in sin, and the sin that they're involved in is hurting people in the community. Um, you know, I think also another way we tend to address this is we don't go to that person. We go to someone who really likes us. We go to our inner circle of friends. You know, I might go to my friends and say, man, I can't believe what Randy did to me. You can't, it's unbelievable. You know, we, maybe we contracted to, to have some work done or whatever. And, and, and you didn't finish it. And so I'm upset with you. And, but instead of going to you. I go to my friends and I, I basically throw you under the bus, friends that are not even part of the problem. And I go there to gain some support or whatever, right? And, and really what that is, it's, it's gossip. It's gossip and it's, it's very divisive. Uh, but that's typically what we do. Instead of going to the brother or sister who has sinned against us or is in sin and talking to them privately, we go and spread it all around. And that creates just an enormous set of problems that get get put into motion. It can actually divide entire communities. And so Yeshua here, uh, picking up, of course, uh, you know, 1,500 years of precedent is saying that's not how you do things. 
if your brother sins against you, you got to go to him and talk to him in private. And, and I've sinned against people. I have hurt people, not by intent, but, but nonetheless, I've hurt them. And, uh, I cannot tell you, uh, Randy, the times that I have so appreciated people coming to me in private, pulling me to the side and saying, you know what, that really hurt me, what you did. And, uh, and to be able to say, I'm sorry, I, I, I did not intend to do that. And how, how can I make that right? Um, that has always been so refreshing and I'm so grateful when people do that. Um, but to have someone, instead of coming to me, go around and share with everyone else what I've done. Oh, that's painful. And that angers me. And then what do I do? I turn around and tell some other friends what that guy did to me. And all of a sudden we got, you know, friends on both sides taking issues and going to war for us. And it's horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. So, yeah. So, um, so he lays this out for us and he says, you know, there's a way to handle these conflicts that's very effective. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed in, in you know, 20 plus years of ministry now, uh, when people go to other people in private, nine times out of 10, and I'm not exaggerating, nine times out of 10, it's resolved. It's taken care of. And relationships are healed and harmony, you know, comes back into to, to that context, to that relationship. It's powerful. And those that skip this and try to go to the next phase or actually just gossip, uh, it, it takes whatever the problem is and the, the fallout, the consequences, exponential, that much greater, yeah. just horrible. So, and is that, it's a good example of, um, true, biblical discipleship and following Yeshua calls us out of our comfort zone. Uh, it's much easier to go to someone else than it is to go to the person that hurt or offended you. Uh, so it takes both of us out of our comfort zone, both the person that has been offended and the person who's the offender, because uh, those that, that when we're offended, we have to admit our weakness, our frailty, the fact that we, we were hurt, uh, and that uh, is, uh, makes us vulnerable. And then the person listening uh, has to be open to the fact that they made a mistake. And so it's um, a good example of following Yeshua. It takes us out of our comfort zone, calls us to a higher standard, uh, but it's one that works. Um, everyone that's offended has to process the offense some way. And in doing that, if, they, if, if it's not to the person, like you just pointed out, uh, we go against the admonition in Proverbs to not reveal the secrets of another. You know, in Proverbs, again, it says love covers sin. So our point here is we want to deal with it in the least damaging way, both for us and for the other person involved. And one-on-one in private, like you said, is the the way to start. And as you mentioned, it's going to take care of the problem the vast majority of the time. Yes. Now, in that 10th time that it doesn't work, um, you know, what do we do? I mean, obviously, uh, both of us have been around long enough where we've experienced that. You go to someone in private, you know, and they say, hey, why don't you go fly a kite, bro? You know, or whatever. They just get in your face or they're they're just, you know, arrogant or whatever. And they said, go fly a kite. So what, where do we go from there? I mean, um, we were talking before the show and and, and you shared an experience where you went to a, a brother that you had an issue with and, and basically, the brother said, "You know what? Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to listen to you." Yeah. And so, you know, what do you do? Well, what I did then I, uh, is um, 
I found another brother, explained the situation, then we went to him together. Um, and let me just let me just read this next passage, okay. and then you tell the story. Okay. Yeah. So the next the next admonition is if that doesn't work, verse sixteen, Yeshua says, "But if he does not listen, take with you one or two more, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may stand." So you took you took a, a brother and you went. How how'd that meeting go? Same way the first one did. And, <laughs> okay. uh, Wait, and, which uh, which. Yeah, there's a process yeah, that takes yeah. you all the way down through all of these. Yeah, yeah. and it was a maturing process for me. Uh, and uh, But as a disciple, I was trying to obey the word, and I knew I had been wronged. And so the next step was um, uh, taking one other brother, and then the final step was um, going to the man's pastor, who did he did profess to be a believer. And uh, so I went ahead and went the full way with him. Yeah, yeah. How'd that work out? The... the um, Pastor listened politely, but uh, did nothing. Did nothing. So everything just yeah. fell flat. You, you know why I think? I, I don't know. I'm going to guess. I would guess that the reason that pastor did nothing is because when he read Matthew 18, he thought when two or three are gathered in my name, was just talking about believers praying together for uh, whatever they wanted or needed uh, and missed the whole import of what Jesus was saying. And what he's basically saying is that every community is to establish elders who function as judges, who can listen to matters and resolve them and bring harmony back to the community. So unfortunately that didn't work out too well, but the principles if applied are very, very effective. And so when we come back to this passage and it says, but if he does not listen, take with you one or two more so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may stand. Yeshua is quoting that. And as a, a good rabbi, uh, of course, that's going to come right out of the Torah. And it does. It's part of our Torah portion this week. Uh, and so if we go back to the Torah portion of Shof team. Uh, we find in Deuteronomy chapter 19 and uh, verses, well, let's start with verse 15. This deals with witnesses. It says, a single witness shall not rise up against a person for any offense or sin that he commits, but by the word of two or three witnesses is a case to be established. So you have this brother. Uh, he has sinned against you. Uh, you went to him. He's not listening. Now is when you take other witnesses. And if those other witnesses come and listen to you and the person whom you are addressing, they get to hear both sides. They get to hear the full story. They get to ask some questions of both of you, and they get to begin to judge that matter and, 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 then, and then determine whether or not you, who initiated this, uh, really missed the point, and there is no real uh, case here. Um, or, you know what? You have a case. Your brother did defraud you. He does owe you some money for work not done or whatever it might be. Then at that point, they establish the case. And now that brother who, who, is, who is there and in their hearing um, and, and it might be something where they go and, and maybe a week later they come back and present the case, but it can happen even at that, that, uh, initial meeting. But, uh, that brother then has to come to terms with, what am I going to do about this? 
Am I going to humble myself and then go ahead and get right with my brother um, according to what they say I need to do to get right? Or do I tell them to fly a kite? You know, that's the issue, yeah. right? Uh, so, you know, yeah, I yeah. give you a, a success story as well. Uh, that's good. Uh, when one of my kids was in uh, high school. Um, Again, no names. No names here uh, to protect the innocent. And uh, he, uh, this, this, this particular child got um, mad and used a, a racial slur mm-hmm. to the person he was talking to. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she went to her father. Her father came to me. I got the guilty party, uh, 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 the accused, the yeah. accused, and we went back to uh, together. And the father and the mother of both of these young people got together, and we hammered it out and got it cleared up. Yes. Uh, and uh, the parents of the young lady said she's always provoking. They corrected her. Wow. Uh, we corrected the, the accused. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then the interesting thing was reconciliation occurred, and we became friends, and we were friends for wow. years. Wow. Amazing. The two families. Amazing. Not only did the conflict get resolved, but God blessed that and then used that to build a new relationship. In fact, the two young people that were involved in the, uh, the bad experience uh, still uh, can keep up with one another through social media and there is no ongoing sin. It was it was cleared up, and relationships were good after that, and were a blessing to both families. Yeah, amazing. That's great. So, so let's 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 throw a, a, a monkey wrench into this. Okay, let's say that I'm put off, and you've offended me in some way, but it's not really a sin. It's just you know I'm offended due, due to some things you said or whatever. So now I'm kind of like like gunning for you. And so I drum up uh, some things uh, that you've done against me or just done that are not really true, um, kind of half-truths or whatever. But I'm just trying to, you know, gun for you. And uh, so I go to you and kind of lay that out. And you're like, Mark, come on, man. You're just like, you know, you need to, you, you need to repent, bro. You know, you got some issues. Go, go deal with those. So then I then turn around and I go get a friend, my friend who uh, basically is, is going to champion my cause. And so uh, I bring him, and he, together with me, we're going to basically, you know, bring these charges and hang you out to dry. Um, do you have a right to challenge the witnesses that I bring? Absolutely. In fact... One of the admonitions in Shoftim, the parashah, uh, speaks to the importance of the selection of witnesses yes. and their responsibility to thoroughly investigate. So in that scenario, uh, one of my options is to say, let's get the elders involved. Yes. Let's get our pastor or pastors involved. They can help us sort this out. Yes. And uh, because in that case... The accused is protected. Yes, because the yeah, false allegations can be right. refuted. Yeah, yeah, and that's the beauty of this. This is so. This is so sublime when you think about it, because it comes to us on the lowest levels and and as individuals, you know, and it protects all of us to 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 even institutions, uh, and the idea, and it's embedded in the Torah. It, it's part of our fundamental God-given rights, and that is that we are to be treated as innocent 
until proven guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt. Up until that point, we're to be treated with respect and dignity. The alleged perp has rights. The, tra- the one who is accused of transgressions ha- has rights. And we have the right of being treated as innocent until proven guilty. And so part of that is, uh, if I'm being accused, I have some rights in, in terms of due process. And part of that is, I can say, Randy, not only are you off, but this friend of yours is just championing your cause. He's biased. In fact, you both are up to no good. You're both, you're, you're up to no good. And so you have a right to appeal at that point to the elders, those who are established by the community and given authority to judge the matters. And these are going to be mature men that are skilled, experienced in the Torah, live in the Torah. They are, they, they've been around the block a couple times. So, so that's your right to go there. And in fact, in the, in, in the portion of team, what we go on to find in Deuteronomy 19, 16, it says, suppose a hostile witness rises up against someone to accuse him of wrongdoing. And that's the scenario that we're painting right now. Verse 17, then both people who have the dispute will stand before Adonai, before the Kohanim and judges in charge at that time. These are men that are in charge that are anointed, skilled, experienced, and anointed and appointed to judge within the community. The judges are to investigate thoroughly. That's what you pointed out. It has to be a thorough investigation. It can't be shoddy. You, you, the, the job of the elders is to leave no stone unturned in looking into this matter. And then it says... Uh, um, the judges are to investigate thoroughly, and if indeed the witness is a false witness and has testified falsely against his brother, then you were to do to him just as he had plotted to do to his brother. Wow. Wouldn't that slow some accusations down? Oh, amen. I, I, you know, you and I both know how easy it is to level frivolous accusations against each other and even just bold-faced false allegations against each other because there's no consequence. You know, the, 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 the average Christian community today doesn't understand this framework. And so there's a lot of, like, um, division that goes on in the body of Messiah because there's no framework for justice. Now, not, not that there's not a heart for justice. There is a heart. But when you divorce yourself from two-thirds of the Word of God, the Tanakh, you know, for thousands of years, it's kind of it's kind of hard to really uh, create structures that can can pursue and obtain justice for a community. That's so true. In fact, just knowing the backdrop uh, for Matthew 18 and Deuteronomy uh, 16 through 20, 21 in this parasha gives understanding and light to a passage that's frequently under, misunderstood. And you're and you're hinting at another one. Yes, this frequently misunderstood that we'll, we're probably going to discuss next. Yes, yes. And so even just stepping into the first couple verses, you can see how loaded they are with with um, the cultural and theological background of the Torah, which informs them and and shapes them as a community. And that's what we need today more than ever. We need this today, and uh, it's sad. It's very sad, but. Even in Messianic Judaism, and, and there's a few, you know, it's a, it's a young movement. It's been around for a couple decades, what, since, uh, actually since, you know, the, the creation of Israel, the state of Israel in 1948. 
uh, Messianic Judaism has kind of reemerged on the scenes. But it's so young still in, in its formation stages that most Messianic communities are highly independent and they, are, they don't really have a plurality of elders in place to create a bet din, a house of judgment that can actually address matters within their communities. And so a lot of Messianic communities are experiencing, um, you know, divisions and breakdowns. Uh, but the good news is we're getting it together and we're learning to reapply uh, the beauty of, of 3,500 years of, of tradition as it relates to the Torah and how it is to shape our communities today. So we're going to jump into the rest of this portion uh, next week, I think. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of bring the show to a uh, conclusion today. And I want to give a special thanks to our great King, Yeshua the Messiah, and to our listeners and supporters for making this podcast possible through your prayers and financial giving. Thank you. Know that in your prayers and giving, you are partnering with us as we advance the kingdom of Messiah in Israel, the United States, and throughout the world. We are a highly rated and listened to Messianic podcast on iTunes under the category of Judaism. Subscribe now. Pray with us. Give financially and share the vision and power of this podcast with everyone you know. Baruch Hashem. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm your host, Pastor Mark. And until our next show, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua the Messiah. Shalom. Torah Talk has been brought to you by The Harvest, a Messianic Charismatic Congregation located at 8891 Hose Boulevard in Thornton, Colorado. Your host has been Pastor Mark McClellan. Join us for Sabbath services at 1 p.m. next Saturday afternoon. For more information, please call us at 303-761-9948 or visit our website at www.graftedin.com. God bless you and shalom.